Welcome to Stories from A to Z with Mona P. I'm your host, Mona Pasanoff. If you are new, you can learn more about me and my process of starting this podcast by listening to episode one. For those of you who have been regularly tuning in, episode nine was the last of the UP interviews until next summer. We are now beginning a new chapter from opera to RV stories. The next few podcasts, you will meet people from a variety of backgrounds with interesting tales to share. Today, we feature Samantha Gossard Dykstra, a mezza-soprano opera singer. If you're anything like me, you may not know a lot about this genre of music or maybe you do. It was such a pleasure interviewing her and learning more about her field of expertise. Check out the Stories from A to Z with Mona P. Facebook page to see photos of Samantha and links to some of the music and people she spoke about. Hi, Samantha. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much, Mona. It's great to be with you. (laughs) Excellent. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Where did you grow up and where are you living now? Go ahead. I grew up in Ohio, where I'm currently living temporarily. More on that later. But I grew up in Lima and Sydney, Ohio. I grew up singing in my church and grew up performing at school and always loved to be on the stage, and I love to communicate with people um, in music, and that's kind of how I started on the path where I am now. Okay, which is a great segue, because we are going to focus on your opera career. You are the only person I know who is an opera singer, and I know that the listeners are going to want to hear about you. So can you share a little bit about how you first got into this very specialized field? Did you start (laughs) by singing opera? How did you come to it? Sure. So uh, opera indeed is a very specialized field. And um, growing up in a smaller town in Ohio, I really didn't hear about opera until I was actually in college. But I did start studying classical voice. I started taking voice lessons when I was about 12 years old after I had a solo in a Gershwin review my sixth grade year. And my mom and dad looked at each other and they said, we need to get her in some voice lessons. (laughs) So I started voice lessons and started studying some classical repertoire with the teacher that I had um, here in Ohio and eventually went to college at Indiana Wesleyan University where I double majored in church music and Christian worship. And for a music degree, you always have to have a primary instrument and singing voice was my primary instrument. I continued taking voice lessons at the collegiate level and that's when I went to my very first opera ever. And I went to the Lyric Opera of Chicago to their dress rehearsal because at the time they had, and I think they still have this, but they had a program where all area schools could come and watch their dress rehearsal performances. And so I saw La Traviata by Verdi. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners, even though they may not have heard of that opera, they would recognize the music from the opera. And I was mesmerized. Oh my goodness. I was just on the edge of my seat and I couldn't get enough of it. And that was kind of my real first beginning in my journey of opera. 
flash forward a couple years and I was applying for grad school to study voice um, at a master's level, which I never thought that I would do. I was still kind of just falling into it. I kind of always jokingly say that um, I didn't find opera, opera found me. <laughs> so I uh, went to Cleveland Institute of Music where I got my master's of music in vocal performance and where I met my current teacher. He's been my teacher for over 10 years now, or about 10 years, I should say, Vincent Cole. And I've continued studying with him. And that's led me to Lyric Opera of Kansas City, where I continued my training. And I worked for Opera Theater of St. Louis, Santa Fe Opera, Austin Opera, Lyric Opera of Kansas City, like I mentioned. I worked for the Paris National Opera. I worked for Metropolitan Opera. I've gotten to go all over. <laughs> so that's kind of where I that's my journey in a nutshell. <laughs> there you go. And we'll just stop there because you told us everything. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, so, not, even close. <laughs> not even close. What was it about singing opera? Like when you said you went to that first performance, what made you so excited? What grabbed you differently than other music? That's a great question. What really grabbed my attention was the power of the voice and the way that the singer's voices were soaring over the orchestra in this huge hall without amplification. There was, there was no microphone, there was no sound system, nothing. And the way that they were communicating so much passion in such a huge space, it felt so intimate, even though it was so vast. And I loved that all of the drama was sung. There was no dialogue, there was no talking back and forth or asides or anything like that that was spoken it was just all singing because the stakes were that high they just had to sing about it and that's what I loved about it so much I love that so what kind of training do you have to do differently to excel at this type of singing versus other types of voice training? That's another really good question. There's a lot of training that goes into becoming an opera singer. I like to always say too, I'm always a student and I will be until I'm finished with this career, if, if you know, whenever that is. First of all, the training with the voice I mean, healthy singing is healthy singing. It's going to start with a good foundation of breath and understanding of your instrument, which comes over time. And what we do is we train the voice to project over those big orchestras and those big halls. And there's a lot of vocal pedagogy that I could bore you with, but I'll move on to the other parts of the training. <laughs> so other training, we have to do kind of some intensive language study and diction study because while there are a lot of operas in English, and I'm speaking particularly about the American opera singers here in this country, while there are plenty of operas in English, there are, uh, the great majority of the repertoire is in Italian or French or German. I've even done some operas in uh, Czech and Russian. We will study... Wait, stop there for a second. How sure. do you... So do you speak those other languages or you learn them phonetically? Part of the training is to learn how to pronounce the other languages phonetically. We'll learn the international phonetic alphabet and we will learn how to pronounce them. And then we always translate everything. So I, when I get a score, I translate the entire opera and I translate my entire role. I can read in any language or pronounce any language. I don't speak those languages, but I, I have had training in German, Italian, and French 
So I've studied those three languages. The longer I spend in those languages in the operatic repertoire, the more comfortable I am with them. I can read them and understand them far better than I can speak them. I wouldn't call myself conversational in any of those. However, there are plenty of opera singers who are multilingual. I have a lot of colleagues who are fluent or at least conversational in German, and it's actually highly recommended. That was just something that I have always been a little bit behind in, <laughs> admittedly, and I wish was a little bit different, but that's part of the training. We also do dramatic training, stagecraft training. What is stagecraft training? Stagecraft, um, stagecraft kind of knowing how to be on stage, understanding the terminology of what it means to be on stage, what it means to interact with other actors, singers, props, sets. There's a whole like set of language, I guess, <laughs> for the stage. It means, it means you're not only an a singer, you also have to be an actor. Yes, a lot of opera singers, we will also call ourselves singing actors because we are constantly serving the text. We are constantly telling a story and we have to be able to communicate that with our voices as well as our faces and our bodies and, and how we interact and listen to other singers on stage. There's a lot of training that goes into it. Also, not to mention, you know, understanding how to sing with an orchestra, how to how to be with an orchestra, how to follow a conductor, how to work with a conductor. We also have to learn about the style of music because opera is a very vast genre. I mean, there's lots of different time periods within opera. There are many, many composers. We have different nationalities that we work with through the ages. The French style is a lot different than the Italian style and very different from the German style and very different from contemporary English style. So just there's a whole lot that goes into it. And that's what keeps you on your toes and makes it so much fun. <laughs> That's really interesting. I may have to do a part two to you to find out more because you're piquing my interest. I'm, I'm thinking you'll pique other people's. Is there someone in the field who has greatly influenced you that either you met in person or would like to someday? I would say that probably my greatest influence and inspiration is my teacher, uh, Vincent Cole. I didn't know him until I met him and started working with him at Cleveland Institute of Music, but he is an internationally re renowned tenor, American tenor from uh, Kansas City, Missouri. He had a brilliant international career and he is a master, a true master of his instrument. And he is a wonderful colleague, a wonderful performer and just a beyond wonderful teacher because that's the biggest way that I've known him is, is, a, is a teacher. So he has greatly influenced me and I definitely wouldn't be here or doing what I'm doing without him and his guidance just to be able to kind of get on YouTube or, you know, get on Spotify and download and listen to his recordings. is just, it's amazing. If I had to pick a singer other than my teacher that I listen to a lot, there are so many. <laughs> I just say, I look up to so many. I mean, we're constantly being influenced and constantly look to the singers of the past and our current colleague. I love Dame Janet Baker. She has this beautiful, rich mezzo voice and such an interpreter of text. And it's, she's, just stunning. And I hope one day I would get to meet her. It'd be really remarkable. She doesn't have a singing career anymore, but I know that she does. Uh, she teaches some and she does master classes and has met with several other 
uh, famous opera singers of today to discuss the art form with them. And she's very inspiring. To go back to your teacher, have you ever actually performed with him? Is that something you could ever see yourself doing? I actually did have the wonderful opportunity to perform with him. I was hired back by my alma mater, Cleveland Institute of Music, where he was still currently on faculty there. He is no longer on faculty there. They programmed Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, which everyone knows the Ode to Joy. <laughs> it is so joyous. It's just wonderful. The choral movement is just huge. And there's not only a huge choir, but there are also four soloists. And Vincent was the tenor soloist, and I was the mezzo soloist. So he sang his big, beautiful solo, and I got to perform with him in that. And I have goosebumps just thinking about it because it was so awesome. And that's that's the time that I got to perform with him, and I'll always remember that. I hope that I get to, again, he doesn't sing as much anymore just because of his age and, you know, moving into new phases of his life. <laughs> but he still does have a beautiful voice. I can vouch for that because he demonstrates for me in my voice lessons all the time. Speaking about voice training, do you have to practice every day the way that a musician usually practices their instrument? Yes, practice is so essential. There's muscles surrounding the voice. It involves our entire body, and it's it's a lot like the way an athlete conditions for the big game. It's kind of the same being a singer. We, we have to practice. Um, my teacher always says, say hello to the voice every day. That can be 10 minutes to an hour to two hours. I wouldn't say that we practice the way a violinist or a pianist does because they can continue to practice for eight hours at a time. Our instrument would fatigue if we continue to practice for eight hours <laughs> consistently. But there are, like I mentioned before, we have to translate, we have to make sure we're pronouncing languages correctly, we have to study style. So that is all part of practicing as well. We definitely have to exercise the voice regularly to maintain its flexibility, to maintain its sound, to continually get to know ourselves as singers because the voice changes every day, just like our bodies change every day. I mean, you kind of, if you're really in tune with yourself, you kind of wake up every day and you might feel a little bit different in a certain part of your body, or maybe you're a little less hydrated, maybe you don't feel well. You know, there's all, all kinds of things that affect our singing voices and our speaking voices. So we have to say hello to it every day to know where we are. <laughs> and that brings us to the present day and age. We are living in COVID time. Yes. How has this time changed your career and aspirations and use of saying hello every day to your voice? <laughs> well, let's say I haven't been as great about saying hello to my voice every day as I probably should be, but essentially COVID-19 has turned our industry upside down. I mean, the the theaters are closed, opera houses are shut down, singers are furloughed, we are unemployed because we can't gather in groups. And when we're singing, we're obviously spreading. <laughs> so it's essentially changed our our art form. Our, I, I don't want to say our art form because our art form will always be our art form, but it's changed our industry as we know it. There are several companies who are innovating and trying to work things out where we can do outdoor performances. Actually, Palm Beach Opera just announced an awesome outdoor festival for 2021 beginning in February. Just want to shout that out for all the Florida people that might be listening. <laughs> there are several companies who are trying to make things happen like that, either doing virtual performances 
performances or outdoor festivals, a lot of companies have had to kind of put a pause on, on planning and programming. And the same with singers like myself. My calendar is empty. That's scary. I had a couple things canceled. Many people have had multiple, multiple things canceled. And we're looking toward the future, kind of wondering, what's it going to be like? Well, it just kind of depends on what happens with, with the virus and and vaccines and the list goes on and on. Right now, I'm trying to make the best of my life. I'm really grateful that I've had the time with my family and at home that I've had, especially this year. It's brought a lot of joys and a lot of trials, and I'm glad that I've been able to be home and walk through each one of them with my family. And I'm looking forward to just kind of innovating and seeing what's next and just kind of riding, riding out the storm <laughs> to put it that way. I, I can't really think of any other way to say it. Just we'll ride it out and see what happens. There's nothing really more you can say. We don't, no one knows. It is a shame that it has affected the arts so greatly because that is an in-person. Imagine all the little girls who don't get to go to shows the way, or teenagers or, you know, young women who like you went to see a live performance and it changed your life. Right. 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 Um, can you share one of the proudest moments in your career? Oh, the proudest moments in my career. I have, I've been so blessed to have so many incredible moments in my career. I can close my eyes and see myself on various stages with just the greatest friends and the greatest singers having beautiful, profound moments, creating art, making people happy, putting beauty and truth and goodness in the world through such a profound, beautiful art form. I think one that comes to mind right now, and I think maybe because you mentioned those younger, those younger people, those young singers, it was 2016 and I was in the Metropolitan Opera National Council auditions, which is a competition that the Metropolitan Opera does every year for young singers in North America. And I sang at my district level, so in Kansas City, and then I won that and I went to the regional level for the Midwest region and I won that. So I went to the semifinals and I got to sing on stage at the Metropolitan Opera. And I walked out on the stage with one of the amazing pianists that they have on staff there. And it was just me in a gown on the stage with the piano. I sang two arias in competition. I just remember not even worrying really about the competition or about the money or what would come if I won or what would come if I didn't win. I just remember looking up into the lights and being overcome with the legacy of that place and how many people had gone before me and done this very thing and how many lives had been changed in that house and how many tears had been shed and how much hard work had been done and just the greatest singers in the world that had sung on that stage. I remember all of that joy and gratitude flooding me when I was on the stage looking into the lights and just being overcome with all of those emotions and being so thankful and, and proud, honestly, that I had made it that far. Since then, I've been able to work for that very house, which has been awesome. That's one memory I think I will always cherish is being on that stage and feeling just the presence of so much greatness and so much beauty surround me while I was singing. 
That's, that's an amazing story. It makes me wonder, do you have photographs of you up there? Were any of your family there in the audience to witness it? Yes, I actually, my husband was there, Brian was there, my mom came to hear me sing, and also my teacher was there too. And a lot of friends too, a lot of people that were based in New York City at the time were able to come and and cheer us on, which was so cool. Um, I do have, I know that there are photos somewhere. I don't think there's a photo of me actually on the stage because they prohibited (laughs) photography. (laughs) But I'd be happy to send you the photo of all of us semifinalists that year in, in in the park. It's a it's a great photo of all of us in our formal wear, and it's just it's really cool. Because <laughs> I'll put that on the website. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Any suggestions for those who want to start listening to opera but feel it is a little over their head? <laughs> this is my favorite question. I love <laughs> I love talking to opera newbies. Oh, it's my favorite thing. <laughs> yes. So. Opera is, it does take a little bit of, there's a little bit of a learning curve with it. I I won't deny that. It does take a little bit of um, education, a little bit of research. So the first piece of advice I would say is don't be afraid to learn. Don't be afraid to try something new. If you don't like the first thing you hear, definitely try it again. Because like I mentioned earlier, opera is such a vast genre. There is an opera. There is something for everyone. The stories that are told are so vast and so relatable, albeit a little bit dramatic, of course, because we're singing about everything and, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit wild. There's so much to glean from opera. It's very transformative if you let it. I would say don't be afraid to try something new. If at first you don't succeed, try again. With the research, do a little bit of reading. Just Google the name of the opera that you're going to go see and, and read the synopsis on Wikipedia even. Read a little bit about the composer. Take a friend with you who's been before. And of course, you can't really do this now because most opera performances are closed down or they're looking different, but there's really no better way to experience opera than experience it live. While watching it on the Met HD broadcast is great. I highly recommend that. Listening to it on YouTube, Spotify, whatever platform you use to listen to music is really great, but there's nothing like experiencing it live. And that will, that will help you understand it. And especially when COVID is over and you can get back into the theater without the amplification and all the extra things that we're having to do. (laughs) So give it a couple chances after we get through this, this time, but experience it live for sure. And don't be afraid to ask questions. That's, that's another, that's another thing. You just kind of don't have fear. (laughs) That is excellent because I'm one of those people that have shied away from opera. So this has been very enlightening for me. I'm so glad to hear that. (laughs) Anything else you would like people to know about you? (laughs) I don't know. I I think maybe being an opera singer is probably the most interesting thing about me. (laughs) I guess, you know, I'm just a normal person. I'm not a superstar. I'm not a diva. I have a lot of other interests and I have a lot of other things and I love my family. I love living this normal life. It's wonderful. The opera career is a lot of hard work, takes a lot of love, a lot of sacrifice, but it's definitely been worth it. So. That's, that's really all I can think of. I like that you added that you're just, you're just a regular person. That <laughs> I think there's a stereotype about opera singers because we see them dressed glamorously and very stately. It's nice to know that you are just a regular person and you go up north to HSC and you <laughs> walk in the dirt and, you know, it's like you're just 
you are regular. But like you said, it takes a lot of training and a lot of commitment. You are so committed to your field. You really are. And that's, that's quite evident. You this, have to be. <laughs> have you noticed your voice changing through the years? Does it get deeper? I would say, yes, I, I have noticed my voice changing through the years. It's definitely the change that I feel and that I notice comes from knowing my voice and understanding my singing. And so while it might not be a significant change to a person who's listening, I can can feel it. And so I have to work through different parts of my voice to maintain my legato or my line to work through my breath and how my resonance works. And my teacher helps me do all of that. I would definitely say that as I've gotten older, my voice has grown a little bit. It's It has a little bit more sound. It has a little bit more depth to the color of my voice. I'm still what would be called a lyric mezzo-soprano, and that kind of determines the repertoire that I sing. And maybe we can talk about that in part two, if you want to have a part two. <laughs> Or you could just talk a little bit about it right now. Of course. Okay, so a mezzo-soprano is the lower, one of the lower female voice categories. We have sopranos, we have mezzo-sopranos, and we have contraltos, contralto being the lowest, soprano being the highest. And then there are little subcategories within those three categories. And I'm lyric mezzo-soprano, like I said. So I sing a variety of music that will be very fast, have a lot of notes, uh, what we call coloratura or melismas, or kind of equate it to like a riff or a run (laughs) in uh, pop music, except less freeform and more composed. (laughs) I also play a variety of characters. I've, I've played mothers, I've played sisters, I've played little kids, and I've played teenage boys, most of all. (laughs) So I get to dress up like a guy and be a little rambunctious boy on stage, and it's really fun. That is great. That is great. All right. I'm going to say thank you. Thank you. It's been great. Great talking with you, Mona. (laughs) Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to go to my Facebook page, Stories from A to Z with Mona P, for links to listen to Samantha and her mentors singing. If you are interested in sharing a bit of your life through this podcast, contact me to discuss the possibility. Remember, everybody has a story to share. As always, I would appreciate your sharing this podcast with your friends and family and giving me a thumbs up on the podcast page. And feel free to leave a comment if you would like. The next episode will be available in two weeks, usually on a Monday. Till next time, this is Stories from A to Z with Mona P. Mm-hmm.